What's up, friends? This is Steven Brogan Cortez. I wanted to try saying that a little different. People be like, ah, he's not really a Cortez. What is he just saying? Cortez, not Cortez, fool. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 49. My guest today is Rory Ross. Rory, he, you, you, you may know him from such works as Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series, or maybe the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, did we talk about those series in this episode? You're going to have to find out uh, and, and, li- and tune in, okay? But personally, there is so much more. Uh, beneath the exterior that is the Jedi Rory Ross uh, please sit back relax enjoy the episode let's go boom we're live now but yeah we had Zach on the other day and yeah like it was we we had a whole we deep dive on Star Wars and the emotional connection we have to it I don't Dude, I, I don't want to force you onto that. I know Star Wars is a big part of your life, uh, but but before yeah. we get into that, uh, you uh, people listening, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the YVF Not Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. All my guests are special, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I, like the one, I don't know who the one person is going to be. Where I'll be like, that's you're not special. No, everyone's special. Uh, but this is another friend of mine. Uh, we met. And Disneyland, another another Disney friend, uh, and uh, we worked for not the longest time, but again, a, a friend who you just get this bond, and you like social media definitely keeps us uh, together, more intertwined. But uh, just mm-hmm. another another geek, uh, if you will, a <laughs> fan of all things uh, fun and geek, uh, Mr. Roy Ross. What's yeah. up, man? Hello there. Hello there. Well, actually, I, I should set the record straight. It was actually the L.A. Opera. Oh, my God. Wait, time out. Time <laughs> out. You caught me, like, with my pants up on my own podcast. Time out, Rory. I thought you were Disneyland because Zach knew you. And then in my mind, I was like, oh, because I know Zach from Disneyland. I was like, oh, it was Rory? No, that's right. We did do L.A. Opera together. So yeah, I've known you longer than Zach. Oh, snap, snap. <laughs> I've known you way longer than Zach. Yeah, which, wait, which opera did we do? Oh, dude, I'm the fucking worst. That was, oh, man, that was uh, Nabu- Nabucco. Uh, it was when we were both Hungarian soldiers, I think, right? Oh, in our towers. So we did the, not in the towers, but remember, we would come out in the front, and we would actually, it was part of the, the play, where it was sort of the play upon the play, but we would come in, and we were the guards, making sure that, like, no one was going towards the stage. Dude, well, remember that? Like, literally, right in the front was like five of us. Let me rewind. So, uh, Mr. Rory Ross is my friend from LA Opera. Uh, I am a squirrel slash goldfish with the memory of one uh, asking kind. But, uh, well, shit, man. Damn, I've known you way longer than Zach. Wait, time out. So, Zach told yeah. me, and I, he didn't share it on the podcast, but please share. How did you know Zach? How did you meet him? Well, oh man, uh, well, let me, cause I didn't, unfortunately listen to the podcast. I hadn't had a chance yet, but what did Zach say his involvement was with Star Wars before I even say anything? So Zach, did, Zach didn't share much only because, and I kind of wanted to take the same approach with you where yeah, I know what you've worked on project wise, but I didn't want that to be the focus of the conversation, you know, I wanted to, For sure. I wanted to talk to Zach, just talk about who Zach is, what he loves, what he thinks about certain things. And, I, and maybe next episode we'll talk about, uh, <laughs> about what he's been involved, but I mean, we'll say it out here. He did. He said we could have talked about it, but he said he worked on set for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He was part so- of crew. Right. But, and then he also had a, I saw his face pop out in, uh, in a scene or two. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, yeah. So he originally was he was part of yeah part of the crew and and uh, was on the COVID protocol team. Uh, you can see his name in the credits. And then he actually ended up using his temperature gun and made it into a prop, and that was used in. Yeah, yeah. So have him talk more about that on that yeah, subject. So that's know how that. he and I met. <laughs> that's how he and I met. Um, you know, just fellow nerds, and uh, you know, spending all those days on set like. Uh, you meet a lot of great people and you figure out your tribe real fast. So, yeah. um, 
can't speak highly enough of Zach and, and, and the rest of the crew that was just out there making sure everyone's safe. And um, yeah, so many, so many fellow Star Wars nerds out there that got to live their dreams out on that series. And it was amazing to see in, in so many ways. Dude. Okay. So God, sorry. I had to like stomp and get <laughs> Milo from like being a little, like, I don't know if you saw my face. I was so distracted. Milo is, uh, he's my co-host, unofficial co-host. He'll, he'll chime okay. in every once in a while. Maybe he's, he's been around since day one. Um, but, uh, what, so what, okay. Before, cause I don't want to just jump into your involvement in the star Wars universe. I don't want to go into that just yet. First, I want to, I want to talk about God. Where did I, cause I, okay. So do, okay. God, I'm stuck. I'm only stuck because I, there's so many options. I want to talk about where your love of Star Wars came from. I want to talk about where your love of playing pretend came from. Like what got you to LA Opera, not Disneyland? Uh, you know, like what? Like first off, Roy, you know where are you from? Where where did you grow up? So I grew up. Uh, I was born in Harrison, Arkansas, uh, but I ended up moving, I think, to Iowa when I was about probably three or four years old, and so. Much of my childhood was all spent in this small town called Mockridge, Iowa. And I honestly, I think like the census for a long time, and I'm guessing it's probably still the same as like 100 people. Like our, I remember our elementary school was half elementary school and half post office. Like there was one little gas station. Like it was, it was really dainty, really small. And it was a really interesting kind of childhood growing up there because we also had a pet store. So in some sense, it's almost like I grew up on a zoo because we had emus, we had ostriches, we had Russian boars. We had at one point two African lion cubs named Jake and Elsie. We had crocodiles, alligators, six football pythons, like this whole just, I mean, quite literally like what you would kind of see at a zoo. And so it was a very interesting kind of aspect of growing up. Um, and then I would say about six years old though, uh, it gets really interesting dynamics. Like my, when I, when we moved to Iowa, um, my stepdad at the time, you know, he only had all girls and I was his first son. And so like, uh, even though I wasn't his blood, it was like, I was his kind of pride and joy. And I remember, you know, it was a very loving relationship there. Um, nice. and then my brother was born and, and that was his, his true, you know, not true love, but it was his, his blood. And that's where the dynamics started changing a little bit. And during this time period, um, I got a rare fungus on the back of my head called trichophyton varicosum. And what it happened um, was my hair was quite literally, well, it was, it was my hair falling off, but it was also my scalp. My scalp Whoa. was deteriorating and exposing my skull. And I, my mom, like, I remember when it first started happening, like I was just freaking out because the hair was falling off. Yeah. Um, and she was trying to hide the, the more kind of grotesque aspect of it. Mm. And I remember we went to the ho local hospital and it was definitely out of their <laughs> foray of, you know, what they usually encounter on. And um, yeah, it was, it was just really kind of crazy. And I remember they sent a part of my scalp to the CDC. Um, it took a week, you know, for them to get back because the internet was still just becoming a thing and everyone's, you know, figuring that out. It was dialed with internet for us for a really long time. Anyway, and then I remember going back to the hospital um, weeks later, they had, had us go through the back entrance and they just wrapped my head in a towel and they told my mom, don't stop. They'll go home. Take him straight to Iowa City Hospital. They're waiting for him in this back entrance. Go now. Whoa. And so, yeah, it was, it was like, you know, my mom was like, the how, old, how old were you while this was all happening? I was, about, I was about six years old. So, so it was a very crazy. Yeah. And it lined up that your your family had a new kid, a new son in the family. And then this, yeah. just, this just happened. Yeah. I mean, you know, it. Cause I living with all the exotic animals and things like that, like, uh, oh. you know, there's certain things that could always happen. And right. I guess spoiler alert, what the, what they ended up finally discovering is like, there were some cattle that were improperly, uh, imported into the U S and, um, weren't properly vaccinated of all things. And so it was a disease or not a disease, but a fungus from the middle East, um, that typically, uh, males of the ages between like 18 to 51 or kind of like the the ones that tend to get it and so i got it very young but what was crazy is when i got to iowa city hospital um they met us at the back entrance in a hazmat suit and they took me into a decontamination room yeah it was like a how zombie you movie feel like, like you're six years old did, like do you remember how you <laughs> felt seeing the men, these people in hazmat scared. suits 
terrified. Like, Absolutely did you even have terrified. a concept, any concept of what was going on? Like, I like, dang, you're six. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I just remember being really, really, really scared. Um, you know, my mom was freaked out at this point. You know, obviously now I know kind of the extent of what's happening. Um, and as this was all happening, they finally they decide like, hey, he's not. You know, we we sanitize him or whatever, and he's not a threat of uh, potentially you know, that disease or the fungus carrying on to somebody else or contaminating somebody else. My mom went to the media library and she brought Star Wars A New Hope. <gasps> it's the first time ever seen Star Wars. Wait. And so growing up on the farm and like seeing Luke's journey, his story, it literally gave me the hope that I, that I needed, you know, that I could maybe potentially just like him overcome these insurmountable obstacles of everything that was happening in my life. Not just the, the fungus, but like life in general. And, um, and it was really, really important because I was in the hospital for about a month going through all these different surgeries, them trying to figure out what's going on. And in the infectious, in the infectious disease ward that I was in, you know, there were kids that got better, um, but there were also kids that I was, you know, roommates or whatever with, um, that that was it. Mm. So you put that all together and it's just a very tumultuous, a very traumatic time. Uh, but it was Luke's story that just gave me the hope persistently that I was going to be okay. And so when we finally, you know, was able to kind of get everything figured out and then went through treatment plans and all this stuff, uh, when I left the hospital, I was like, you know, I'm, again, I'm six. I was like, I don't know exactly what I'm doing with my life. If I want to be an astronaut, a doctor, or whatever it might be. But I was like, whatever it is, I want to bring hope and inspiration to people like Luke did for me. And that's something that has consistently persisted throughout my life, you know, um, when I left, um, I ended up getting homeschooled and there was this whole thing, but then I left home due to the family dynamics that I kind of briefly talked about at the beginning yeah. because my dad and I, it just wasn't working out. It was kind of like my uncle Owen and I was like, I, there's something else out there for me. Yeah. And so at like 14, give or take, um, I moved out of the house and I moved to Seattle, Washington and found a way to sort of live on my own in the regard of like, I, I found this private school that my mom said, if you find a way to go there and, and, and figure it out, like, fine, you, you can you can go there. And so wait, how old were you when, when you took that choice to go to the private 14. school? 14. Holy 14. shit, dude. Wait, yeah. wait, time out. OK, let's hold on. <laughs> so, not sure how deep you wanted to get, my man. <laughs> no, I love it. No, no, no. I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to backtrack just so I can dig a little deeper, if you will. So you're six yeah. years, you're six years old. You're, you're recovering. You said you were in there for a month. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was in there for a month. So it was, it was and crazy, man. Were you just watching star Wars the entire time? What, like, were you like, were you, what were you doing during that month of recovery and treatment? Yeah. I mean, I think at that point, you know, we start with new hope. Um, I'm pretty sure as I was there, especially given the time period, I ended up watching, you know, uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, and I think, you know, for the most part, it was just kind of on repeat for a lot of it, especially New Hope. New Hope was the one that obviously I really gravitated towards. And mm -hmm. um, it was just, it was his story. And, and just he also being a lonely sort of farm boy, not sure where his life was going and, and trying to figure out, you know, where he's going to go. Um, but then going from that and then, you know, giving the galaxy a new hope, uh, you know, destroying the Death Star of all things. So something that's like this mecca that is evil and puts everyone down and everything else. And it is just something that is uh, terrorizing the galaxy quite literally. It was, I guess, in that sense for me, you know, again, the, the what's happening at home, but also, again, what's happening, you know, with what was happening with me at the time with the fungus. And like, you know, because at the time, you know, it took them a good two, three weeks to kind of, I think, figure out exactly what it was. I mean, they, they start feeling more safe about it. They're like, okay, it's not contamination or, mm -hmm. or that you can't contaminate the other uh, people in the hospital. But it was still like, okay, what what is this? And so I still had to go through all those surgeries and then taking more samples of my scalp and on IVs and, you know, just so the whole aspect of it uh, was quite scary and terrifying. Dude, it's it sounds scary and terrifying, but <laughs> at the same time, it's 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 your your evidence to the power of the mind, right? And the power of the spirit and the human will. 
right? Because A New Hope put that seed in your mind, in your in your in your very being, that hope that no matter how big the the obstacle is, whether it is the Death Star, whether if it's the entire empire, one person, there's always hope. Yeah. There's always hope. Okay, so 14 you you decide I'm going to go to this private school. Like and and what made you choose you said in Seattle? In Seattle, yeah. Well, so part of it was um at the age of 12 or so, I was leaving every summer. Uh so from 12 to 14 about to turn 15, I left every summer hoping that things were going to be better with my my stepdad and I. Um and you know, unfortunately, that just wasn't the case. It would be better for, you know, you know, a little bit of time. But I was so naive and thinking that, like, by leaving and coming back, like, things would be refreshed, be renewed, yeah. that maybe there was something uh, externally, or not externally, but internally wrong with me also oh. at the time, too. And so, yeah, it was a lot of... That's rough. Um, that sounds really yeah. rough, man. Like, and we, yeah. we, if I may just, like... It sucks when the actions of others start creating this internal internal narrative of ourselves, right? That then makes us feel like this shit that this person's throwing at me, it must be me. Like, it must be me. Like, yeah. it, it, it can't possibly be that this other person's dealing with their demons, uh, you know, dealing with whatever they're dealing with, right? Like, like we don't ever think that. It just immediately goes like, what's wrong with me? Like, uh, can I do anything to make this better? It's just... Like, damn, and you just kept trying, and there's always hope. Like, yeah. And you were yeah, a farm I mean, boy, dude. Sorry. Like, that connection, yeah. too. Like, that's fucking, that's too, that's poetry. You're, you're, you're a literal farm boy who gets put face to face with this, with this evil, which is, you know, you got, you were literally faced with your mortality, if you will. Like, you didn't know where were this going to go. No one knew how to help. They were trying to figure it out, but, but wow, you, you got past that. You, you made it through with hope. And so, okay, so 14 Seattle, you were, you were saying you were moving back and you were move, go, taking trips and trying to make yeah. things better. Well, yeah. So it would be like, um, I, I would basically just kind of almost do like a summer trip with different people. Um, and just leave, you know, the, the last time I was gone, I was in Texas and I was gone for, I mean, I would say at least three or four months. And to sort of show like how bad I wanted to get out of the situation, as I, I almost was like, adopt me, like someone like like get me out of this. Oh. Um, and and I felt really bad because also I love my mom. My mom's an amazing person, and she went to school. She went back to school and was kind of getting able to do her dream job. But unfortunately, what was going on was that she wasn't able to see what was exactly happening. Oh. Um, and so you know, it was just it was just tough. It was really really tough and um i mean thankfully later on in life was able to kind of make amends in in all the regards uh as best we could but it, it certainly had a very lasting impact on my life um and you know and so yeah so i, I would leave a few, a few months at a time and then that last time i came back it was like okay things are definitely not getting better mm. and so i got the option to go see my great grandma in seattle Oh. and visit with her for a summer and it was on that trip my uncle actually picked me up and a he was a truck driver and so it was kind of crazy it's like we we didn't go straight to seattle what happened is he picked me up in iowa um and then i got to go from iowa to new york to kentucky to louisiana to utah and then to seattle so it was like a two-week road trip because he was doing deliveries along the way and so i was getting able to explore essentially a new because, like, you know, when I was doing the summer trips, like, I, I only got to kind of see a few little things here and there. I mean, like, when I went down to Texas, that's probably the most I had done at that point that I could remember or recall. Mm -hmm. But when I did this road trip, it was, like, opening a whole new reality to me and, like, possibilities. And it was on that road trip that I was, like, I'm not going back. I literally decided right then and there, like, I'm not going back. I will find a way, however I have to, I'm going to find a way and create a new beginning for myself because I cannot go back to this what felt very toxic and just not a great place of, of nurturement or just um, of growth either. And uh, yeah. yeah. How good for you, dude. At 14, like, 
like when someone when really like difficult things happen to us like whatever it is no matter how small or how big like i feel like the bigger it is it can make or break you but damn it can make you if you get past it you know like you're yeah. six years old you get this gnarly fungus like some infection in your skull you have people taking samples testing figuring it out and and then and then and then meanwhile after you recover from all that you're still dealing with with your relationship at home man and and and, and, and you know when we grow up like that moment hits us and it probably hit you really early and please correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. we all hit that point when we're, when we see our parents as, Oh fuck, you're just a person. Right. Got it. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. You're just, you okay. You go through shit too. Oh, oh I thought you had it figured out, you know? <laughs> like I thought you had a manual on this. I didn't know I was going to be like the trial. Like I used to, it's it's bad because I have to be aware of this at times. Um, but kind of like what we were talking about too, about how we can internally sort of suggest to ourselves that there's something wrong with us mm-hmm. is, is I'll still catch myself from time to time saying I was the burnt pancake. I was oh. the one that was the trial, mm-hmm. you know, because I was the firstborn and like the dynamics there. Um, but that's something I have to be, I have to be conscientious of because otherwise that is something that can creep in into the negative aspect mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, see, you're still a fuck up or, or, you know, whatever you may want to try to adjective that you're going to apply to that. Um, because certainly when I was in Iowa, um, it was not a positive environment in the sense of like, you got this. It was much more of like, you're fucking up. You are, you know, I could, I could list a whole bunch of other adjectives. It just, it certainly, was not the place where not you're going to find the most supportive of place. Yeah. Uplifting. Yeah. 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 Wait. So these trips you were, cause like, cause like sometimes people are just stuck, you know, they're stuck in their situation. There's nothing they can do. Right. So what was, mm. so what was it again for you that got you on those trips? Your grandma, you said, and then your uncle, the truck well, driver got you seeing <laughs> the country. It was, so the, the first trips, um, I think it was just like seeing friends. So, you know, and I, I never really knew a stranger. That was the one thing about me is like, I was so interested in people. And, um, I guess later on, I found out actually semi recently about like, I guess I, I was high functioning autistic, which was like, that's a whole nother thing. That's like kind of been like interesting looking back and seeing how that all uh, impacted certain things. But like, mm-hmm. um, I just, was so interested in, in people. I was so curious and so excited. And um, I think what's kind of interesting, and it kind of goes, I might be going back a little bit here, because um, you were asking what was my love for the imaginative, you know, creation of things. And so one of the ways I escaped after, you know, the stuff that happened in the hospital is I used to pretend I was a Power Ranger. And the, my middle name is Zane. And there was Zane, the Silver Ranger, Power Rangers in space. And I remember oh, I got like a yeah, dial-up Zane. phone. Oh, yeah. Man. And I, I don't remember the sequence off the top of my head, but I could do the sequence on the phone and I'd you know, go through the whole morph. And then I would just be pretending fighting people and things like that. And I think that was, you know, it was definitely a way of me escaping my reality of what was happening at home. It was like at home, I didn't have anything to offer. I, wasn't, I didn't feel worthy or, you know, um, loved in a lot of ways or felt like I belonged. But when I was fighting and being able to be a power ranger in this imaginative world that I was creating, uh, I was something so much more, something better, something that is wanted, that is love, that it, that has <laughs> these friends, even though they're, they're, it's the air that you're kicking and you're punching and you're doing yeah. this. Um, you know, it was, it was that. And so I think sort of from all that stuff is where I also when I got the chance to finally travel, it was like, okay, now I can kind of almost make these worlds more of a reality of like, now I can actually go and find something outside of what I know. So safe to say Power Rangers in space is your favorite Power Rangers? Yes. Yes. I mean, my more friend, don't get me wrong. Like you, you got Zordon and everything else. And I remember like I had the, the watch at one point, but Power Rangers in space, uh, leagues, for me, you know, I'm certainly biased, but yes, Power Rangers in Space, 
I mean, isn't technically Power Rangers in Space the conclusion of the Zordon Ranger series? After that, it just becomes Galaxy, and then it's not necessarily connected to Mighty Morphin anymore. It's not Zeo Crystals, right? Sorry, I'm a huge right. Power Ranger fan. So you're talking <laughs> to the right. You're talking about Zane and his story, and and I and I know I get it, dude. That like you like that. that uh, like low key, that's kind of why I started this podcast connections, right? Like just you're yeah. gathering my friends, getting to know them, you know, and just, yeah, there's something of value. I, I think that's beautiful. You know, you were a power ranger in your own world where you felt appreciated, where you felt like you had control probably, right? Like yeah. whatever came at you, like you were going to handle it, but fuck you go home and you're the Burt pancake and gosh. Yeah. And, and that narrative dude. So you see like that, you still fight against that narrative still you, you said yeah you and say? you know i think yeah I, I i think i don't know i um you know at least for me while i have been able to overcome a lot of different things it doesn't mean that those are completely gone it doesn't mean that the struggle doesn't somewhat continue and and i have to be watchful of especially the negativity and the thoughts that can persist and, you know, as, you know, this is obviously fast forward way, way up, but like, even with acting, you know, how many times we get told no. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not careful, you can start to think like, is there something that I'm doing wrong? Am I, you know, like, and then yeah. all of a sudden yeah. you can catch yourself in that same sort of slip up and like, Ooh, you know, uh, acting is fun. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes, you know, the process and, and especially the auditioning process process that you have little to no control over uh can be hard you know brutal uh and i think uh, yeah and i think a lot of people who like look on the outside and they're just seeing you know the pro the, the the i guess rewards that we finally get to have from time to time but the actual process that occurs and uh, you know i think mental health is something that is finally getting a lot more talked about it's something that is getting encouraged that, okay you need to check in on your loved ones and like you're not the only one that's going through things and to have a little bit more vulnerability so that we can be there to help each other and uplift, uplift each other through these moments is really, really important. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, to answer your question, like, you know, it's, it's still something that, again, I just have to be mindful of. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask that. And then, like you just you said it perfectly because like, yeah, you don't uh, like you can you can uh, you can achieve all your dreams like you can you can climb Everest and and make a billion trillion dollars but i mean what's what's going on in here in the mind in the heart you know are are you still not just to keep using the same metaphor or do you still be, and not speaking to you specifically roy but just people in general right do you still think you're the burnt pancake you know yeah do you 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 got all the success and you've done this and that but like is that narrative still spinning and for some people it still spins it still runs it's 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 not some overnight fix like oh i'm better right it's gone look i'm happy <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah it's, and that's where you just have to find like people that you can you can be open to right mm -hmm. you know i i think you know obviously we're jumping all around so uh at oh, any point you want to go back to something <laughs> you know jump. but uh yeah, yeah yeah like quarantine covid i mean like holy crap man like uh I think one of the things I started to realize about myself was while I, I, again, you know, got a lot of success and was working and doing a lot of things that I enjoyed and, and loved. Part of that though, was I was also maybe using it as an escape where as long as I kept going, as long as I was going into forward projection, right. That I also didn't have to think about some of the hard questions. I didn't have to think about my past. I didn't have to deal with it um, as much as I, I should have. Um, it's going to come knocking and, you know, randomly in the middle of oh, the night while you're walking down the street getting your coffee. It's just going to be like, I'm still here. But <laughs> well, sometimes it's not even a whisper. It's like, I mean, for me, at least during quarantine, once everything literally stopped and LA shut down, it was within weeks where it was just like, you know, you're not able to go outside. I, I didn't feel like I was able to do a lot of creative things. Um, and I just like hit that wall and it was mm. like, oh my gosh, like there are a lot of things that I have not addressed as much as I should have or explored and, and 
brought some healing towards. And, um, you know, 2017, actually, the year that we did Nabucco, uh-huh. um, it was the best, <laughs> it was the best and worst year, uh, because I did, I, I, the first thing I think I did, I did the Chester Bennington, you know, Lincoln Park, I was a stunt body double. At that point, I think he had never had a stunt or body double. And so it was just a whole, like, how it all happened was like nuts and very so Hollywood esque. Oh my gosh, my co-host, he's freaking out that you were his son, his body double. Milo is freaking out. He can't <laughs> believe it. Gosh, little dog. He's like, what the fuck? Chester? Yeah, right. All right. Thank you, Milo. Thank you, baby. Sorry. All right. Yeah, okay. So he so wait, so you were his body double for what, what was the project you were his body body double for? Like a music video? Yeah, it was heavy. It was oh. heavy. Whoa. Out of all the songs that it could have been, it was heavy. And it's literally all about, you know, um, feeling things that are heavy, but making sure that you reach out, mm. making sure you're, you, you realize you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And on that set, like, it was just, it was amazing. We, we really resonated well, um, became friends. I, I went and did one of his concerts. I was actually potentially going to, like, what you know the idea was like in the future i was going to like come up on stage and introduce him and like i'd go bald again or whatever oh. but um you know we we became friends and he was a ravenclaw i was a ravenclaw so we like there's just a lot of things a lot of our our history and thing like things like that that we could resonate with so there was that and then i also became uh chris mccandless you know for into the wild and i got to travel to alaska and kind of live out his his stuff which was amazing wow. and then obviously harvey oswald on the history channel so all this stuff is happening and it's all amazing and then july i remember I was at comic-con and i'm doing marvel powers united i had this small little thing where i got to i, I met stan lee and so again it was just like oh my gosh everything's coming you met together stan lee dude just briefly super super brief that moment counts. where he that said counts. Me, oh boy. <laughs> that counts it was it was cool man it was super Super freaking cool. Because, because, um, please, uh, if I'm right, right, Chester's not with us anymore, right? Well, that's that's what I'm saying. So it, it was at Comic Con when when the Stanley and stuff is happening. My phone starts blowing up, <gasps> uh, and uh, I, I think the day prior, either I'd sent a text to Chester or I was going to because uh, it was supposed to be like two or three days later. We were going to go to Hogwarts, oh. and we were going to go you know do the this whole thing and yeah. i think maybe some of this family is going to be there and anyway so my phone's blowing up and i i was like oh that's weird you know and then i finally got a chance to look at it and then someone sent me a tmz article oh. and i lost it i was oh. like what the heck you know i i couldn't believe it i didn't want to believe it like so many others you know yeah. the impact that he had done on so many lives and everything else but it was also for me um it was like somebody who I looked up to that was, had gone through everything that I had gone through and found a way to find success in, in what I deemed and, you know, many, I think was the pinnacle, you know, he's touring, he's doing all this stuff and mm-hmm. he's vulnerable. He talks about how he didn't like to be inside his head, but he's pushes through, he, he finds a way. And then his, I don't know if you remember, but, uh, back in April of that year, his best friend had done the exact same thing had mm. committed suicide. Yeah. Um, and I had talked to him soon after that. And, you know, he was, you know, he was hurting, but he was, you know, he seemed like he was doing okay. Um, oh. And so, you know, there was, there was all that. And, you know, that gets in your head and you're wondering if he can't do it, then can I do it? Mm. Um, so that happened. And then, when I was doing the Chris McCandless stuff, uh, I was shooting in Arizona. I remember I was on the Colorado River. This was like August. Um, and I was starting to, you know, finally get some healing from what had happened with, with Chester and making kind of amends in my head. And I remember seeing a wild stallion, like running across the bank. And I was like, that's so cool, you know? <laughs> and I get to the shore yeah. and I received word that my 99 year old great grandma, who I had gone to Seattle to see years prior um she had passed away and when she passed away like it yeah i with her it was it was a little bit more of like she lived an amazing full how old was she again 
99. That's like, a she rich was about to be life. 100. Yeah. Wow. She knew Betty White. Like, it was crazy, man. Like, she, she had lived many lifetimes, oh. had explored the world, had helped so many people in various ways, and just was, you know, had some amazing stories to tell. But she lived a very full life, and I was like, I was okay with that. Um, it was sad, but it was also like, I, I, it felt like also seeing the stallion. It was like her passing by and being like, oh. I'm off to run another wild adventure or something. Right. I'm still um, here. Rory. Then, Don't worry. I'm fine. <laughs> right? Yeah. But then the, that very next day I go home and her daughter, my great aunt, who I kind of also ended up living with, mm-hmm. was kind of like my second mom. She had been taking care of my great grandma. Now, prior to me leaving for the adventure of me doing the Christmas Canvas stuff, I saw my aunt, she was battling cancer, um, but was able to, you know, she was still kind of semi walking around. And I guess as soon as I left, that was the last time she got out. She was dead bedridden for the rest of the time. And she had been taking care of my great grandma prior to all that stuff. Wow. And I guess what happened was the day that my great grandma passed right before she did, she had walked upstairs to see my great aunt to check on her, her daughter. And they had told her that her daughter had, you know, maybe a few days to live, if anything. And then she starts walking down the stairs, my great grandma, after, you know, visiting with her daughter, starts walking down the stairs. She falls, trips, break her, breaks her hip. And within 24 hours, she passes away. The very next day, within 24 hours, my aunt also passes away. And she's about, she was, I want to say 64, 65, give or take. And that one, especially in close succession, yeah, broke me. Like I got home of course, and, of course. you know, found out on Facebook of all things, uh, oh. because her son that had called me the day prior to let me know about, you know, our, my great grandma, Obviously, he was really dealing with it, and so he just put something on Facebook being like, you know, hey, this is what's happened. You know, send out your condolences, but right now we just need some time to kind of breathe. And so that, like, was like, whoa, and I went to, you know, the fetal position, and I was just like, I was hurting. Because with her, again, you know, she was 65. I felt like she still had so much, so many more years to live. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so much more to give. And so... You know, there was that. And then while we were on Nabucco, I don't know if you remember this, um, I actually left. I was gone for, I think, the last performances. And the reason I, I was is because I had gone, I had gotten word that my dad uh, was in the hospital. My stepdad, the one that we had talked about at the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. Years prior, we were able to kind of make amends and all that. And so I had gone over to see him. And it seemed like he was going to be okay. And I remember giving him a hug. And then within 12 hours of me being there, got word that he passed away. And so, again, this is, you know, July through October. This was uh, all 2017? All 2017. You lost, you lost your, your, you lost a really good friend, Chester. You lost your great grandma, your, your aunt. Mm -hmm. And then your stepdad. Yeah. And with your grand great grandma, like I don't like so she she went to go talk to her her daughter and then right. found out her status and that she probably has only a couple of days and then your great grandma has a stumble and she falls. Yeah. Like Oh gosh. I'm just I guess I'm my mind's just like speculating just to like make ration ration make make sense of, of it and i'm sure like i can't even imagine how that affected you rory like uh, wow like how what happened next like what 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 was next for you once you once <laughs> like did anything else happen god you know well actually it and it's not funny but uh my I did at my other grandma, uh, so my great aunt's sister, uh, she also passed away I actually uh, in July of that year, which I, I was just remembering. So it was like, yeah, it was, all I have to say is, holy crap, you know, life can, when it rains, it pours. Sometimes that's really good and sometimes it's really bad. And, and like I said, it was in, in sync sort of of like all this success happening and everyone's wow. seeing this and it's like, 
this is amazing. And then, then everything else, you know, kind of falls apart in terms of not falls apart, but a lot of, um, death happens and, and it is a natural part of life, but it doesn't mean it's, it's easy. Right. And, um, I had to take a break. I had to take a, a, a pause. I honestly, I don't know if I took a long enough pause or took a non, long enough like introspection of, you know, everything because I also lived with a lot of guilt because I didn't go to the funeral for my great grandma and great aunt because I, I didn't think I could, I didn't think I was going to be able to, uh, to, I guess, be there in a sense. Um, it felt too much and I felt like I was, I was floundering. And then, and, and looking back, obviously I think that was when I should have, because that's where your support system's at and everyone else is going through it. That's when you can be there for each other. Um, but yeah, I took a, I took a break from acting and was like, let me sort of, you know, take evaluation of everything. And then that's when I sort of started doing more of the Oculus stuff where I was traveling around the world. And that's what I, I was saying, alluding to earlier. It's like, when quarantine hit, everything stopped because when I took that break, like I said, I don't think it was as long and as meaningful as it needed to be of the introspection and just checking in on myself, probably even going through therapy, quite honestly, I, I should have. And instead, after I took that small break, I was like, I'm just going to travel the world. I'm going to go do this Oculus stuff. And I enjoyed it. I met some great people, did all these things. But then when quarantine happened, like everything stopped. Mm. And when that stopped, it's also when I had to face some hard truths in the sense of like, I haven't dealt with things in the, in the proper way. And so I highly encourage anybody whenever they go through a traumatic event, like don't try to just forge forward for the sake of going forward, like take evaluation, take check of yourself. And there's nothing wrong whatsoever of going and getting help. Like put your hand out there. You'll be surprised how many other people are struggling, maybe with same things or, or, or similar. Yeah. But you gotta yeah, you gotta make sure that you're you yourself are in the best place mentally, physically, spiritually, all that kind of stuff. And then you can you can allow yourself to, to move forward mm. in the best way. You know, I I was I I feel like I've had this uh this not this same talk with people regarding covid but there's uh there's a recurring theme for sure with covid with certain like when i talk to friends about it and it's that when you're inside when covid forced you to be inside and you didn't have your work whether it's you know going on set going to the theater you know to go work crew you know work as an actor whatever you don't have any of your you know speaking as an artist you have none of the tools you have gathered when it comes to coping or giving meaning to your life to help you through the suffering we all go through right all that's gone you're forced to now yeah. stay inside and and we saw we saw the effect it had like suicide rates went up during covid uh overdose went up like crazy during covid domestic abuse went up like crazy during covid and it's like it, it's it's like it's like you know when you're super exhausted like you're when you're physically exhausted to the point that your body shuts down it literally forced you to, to the ground so that you can rest yeah. Like the same thing happens mentally. Like we, we, we really don't like mental health and physical health need to be seen in the same level. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I honestly, I mean, like that's a conversation I think that needs to be more socially had in the sense of what healthcare covers. Right. Because that is an important part of, of, you know, well being. Like if you aren't good up here in the mental, you know, psyche or whatever, you're not going to be able to take full advantage of, of what life has to offer, nor are you going to be able to be able to really help society, mm -hmm. like, you know, in any sort of regard or respect. And so, yeah, I, I really hope, I hope that there's going to be more conversation around that, where that's going to be more of a benefit that is included in certain things, because um, it certainly needs to be. Very much so. 
You know, like you wouldn't see someone with the flu or someone with the broken arm and say, get over it. Come on. What are you doing? Hey, it's just it's just a broken arm. It's just a broken right. arm. So why are we seeing those suffering with depression the same? Like, why, why can't we see them with that kind of sympathy or people with with crippling anxiety, you know, or, or whatever else, what other whatever other mental health ailment someone's stricken with? You know, it's it can be debilitating. Yeah. It it can crush you, destroy you. Yeah, but, but if you don't like not get it. out of bed and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> you need to have like a mental spa <laughs> where you can just. You totally do. What's a, what's a mental spa for you? Like after all that 2017 happened and you worked and you're now COVID hit. Were you 2020? What COVID hit? What what did you? Like was what what was it that you did to help give you that mental spa? I think for me, honestly, it was just having some more honest, open conversations with my close friends. Mm. Just literally reaching out, you know, because um, I could say like, oh, you know, video games helped me, and well, I I think it did to some degree. Like you have to be careful because that's again something else that you could just use as to escape. Mm-hmm. So. And it's not addressing the real issues. It's when you're having those honest conversations and you're seeing you're not alone. I think that was the biggest thing for me. And also just allowing myself to get it off my chest so it's not something that I'm I'm trying to hide or or think that I have to again, like you said, you know, oh just get over it. Just a flesh wound, you know. Right. Just keep going. Um and that's that certainly helped. There's you know, and, and again, I'm certainly not perfect. There there's certainly still times that I uh, you know, even more recently, like I, I got back and I was like, man, I just feel depressed, you know, and just, and, and, and it's a, such a weird dichotomy, especially for anybody that kind of looks in because they're like, oh, you're on Kenobi, you're on Boba Fett and all this, um, things seem to be going great, but that doesn't always reflect what's happening inside. And so the more honest we can be about that and the more comfortable we can, um, I think that's, that's the more important aspect there. You need to talk about it. Just like. Like, why not? You know, why not yeah. talk about it? What's the worst? Like, it, it feels terrifying, though. Like, I'll tell you, like, I was talking to, you know, like, I don't know if I mentioned it right, but once those narratives start running through your head, like, like a 24-hour movie theater, right, just playing that same story, like, I am that burnt pancake. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. What did I do, right? Whenever something yeah. happened, like, if you stumbled, that that reel come back, comes back on, you know what I mean? Comes back on. Yeah. And like I've personally, I've started doing this thing where I am now willing myself to create my own narrative where when I start feeling anxious or I start feeling overwhelmed about whatever, uh, I start I start just saying, no, you're sitting in this room, you're comfortable, you're safe, you have everything you need where you are, you're fine, everything's okay. And it feels silly, like it, it yeah. like it feels silly to just like having to put so much effort to just tell yourself you're okay. But sometimes it's that you got to talk to yourself. Times so, like I, that's how it feels for me. You got to talk to yourself and just be like, "Hey, it's okay. Look around, feel your chair." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I well, and, and I think the important part of that too is like making sure that when you are talking to yourself, you're not saying something that is. Uh, debilitating in the in, in a bad way where you're like you wouldn't take advice from somebody that is seemingly only trying to give you ill will right mm-hmm. and so when you're when you're having that conversation with yourself just making sure that when you hear that inner dialogue like just reject anything that is of a negative aspect where it's like saying you're a terrible person or whatever it might be and i think like you said like that little asmr of you like, talking to yourself and being yeah. like hey you know you're doing okay like you know, someone suggested to me about writing things of, especially uh, things that you're proud of. And again, that is something I'm not as good at about. And that when I have done that, that has helped where it's re- reminding you of, of accomplishments, but then try to make sure that you're going more deeper so that you can see more of that worth that you have to give. And that, I feel like that just connects to how we're treated as children, it then reflects to how we treat ourselves as adults. If no one shows us 
how to be kind to ourselves. How the fuck are we supposed to know that we have to be kind to ourselves? <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, it, it's... God, fucking beautiful. Beautiful, Rory. Ugh. All right. If you don't mind, I would love to take this conversation to uh, what's definitely becoming my favorite portion of the podcast. So are you okay. are you at all aware? Do you know of uh, Inside the Actor Studio? A little bit, I, I feel like. All right, right on, right on. Well, Inside the Actor Studio was a show on Bravo. Uh, James Lipton would hold a lecture at Pace University where they would hold lectures for grad students. They would have actors and actresses join and do a, an interview speaking of their of their career, their lives. And, and at the end, James Lipton has these 10 questions that he asks all his guests. And I, I love these questions. I think they're a lot of fun. <laughs> and it's a great way to get to know someone. Uh, so uh, if you're cool with it, uh, I'm going to start asking you these questions. Yeah, let's do it, baby. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite word? My favorite word, huh? Um, ooh. Man, I haven't put too much thought on that. I, I feel like <laughs> the first thing I feel like that really comes to mind is like Aflac. <laughs> For some reason, like when I was a kid, I, I would always say Aflac. If like, you know, it's like, oh, I have friends of you sort of thing. Like, like you hit your finger or something like that. And so kudos to the marketing of Aflac for having that ingrained in my head for so long. That's, oh, yeah, know. but. Uh, we know your insurance carrier. So Aflac. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Aflac or, uh, or shiitake mushrooms. For some reason, those are the ones that just come to mind. Right on. <laughs> What is your least favorite word? Least? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what I would put for criteria on that, to be honest. Um, um, checkmate? <laughs> All right. All right. I don't like losing, so I guess like if I heard checkmate, I'm like, ah, oh, god dang it, they got me again. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably I probably go that way. I, I don't know. I, I'm guessing what's going to happen is after this conversation, my brain is going to be like, okay, what what really are you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you if if I mean, if checkmate doesn't feel right, take time, take the time right now. Like, think about it. What's your least you know your least favorite word? Like, please don't feel rushed with any of these questions. Like, like they're simple, but what, once you let it sink in, you're like, wait, what is my least favorite word? Yeah, I don't know. Well, the more I, the more I'm thinking about, at least especially right now, I would I'd still go checkmate because I, I as much as I don't necessarily like to admit that part of me, I feel like I I can be a little competitive. I like laser tag. Used to be a pro laser tag, and I, I remember I I took my girlfriend, and um. I'm pretty good at it and I move around a lot and I felt pretty bad because I I'm fast. I like, I, I walk fast. And so anyway, she got lost and then we couldn't find her. And then I ended up uh, going up on the tower and I remember these kids were hiding and I just go in there. I was like, <laughs> and uh, at the end of the game, I guess I shot her 45 times. <laughs> so she's like, never wanted to go to laser tag again, which I get, I get, but it was like, when you're in there and the, the black lights are on, it is hard to distinguish who's who. But uh, she was she was not happy about that. But I I, I can be a little competitive. So I, I yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, checkmate. Right on. <laughs> All right. What turns you on? What makes you happy? <laughs> okay. I'm that's why you. I have to I have to clarify. <laughs> that's why I have to come up with the lead in. <laughs> right, right, right. I was like, oh geez, where's this going? Um, what makes me happy? Um. Honestly, it's helping people. That is something that is, you know, has really brought me a lot of joy. I've, I've been able to do some, a lot of cool things, a lot of charity work. Um, and in fact, like a full circle is, you know, what I talked about earlier of how Star Wars, you know, it really gave me the hope I needed. So when I left about, you know, whatever I do, bringing hope and inspiration to people like Luke did for me. And so what's been super freaking cool is that, um, 
with some of the popularity or whatever that's been going on with Kenobi and, and some of the other things I've done, I was able to use, utilize that and actually help out a friend of mine. He, um, his name's Jack. He's 13 years old. He, uh, was diagnosed with bone cancer. And so we did this little charity thing, um, to, you know, it was basically till the end of Kenobi where I was doing like personal shout outs and we did a little auction, but we raised over a thousand dollars to help him out with his, his treatment. And so for me, like that's, that's amazing. Anytime I can try to, to do something that's going to help somebody else and to see that impact them directly is, um, you know, it, I have no words for it. It's indescribable. And I'm, I'm just honored and blessed that I have that opportunity to do so. Mm. Nice. What turns you off? What makes you unhappy? Um, hmm. I mean, I think it's kind of interesting to figure out how, how to answer this one. I feel like, I think what we're talking about with the mental aspect, right, is like if I get into a negative headspace, that will certainly turn me off because then I'm just all in that. Um, on a on a lighter note of things, one of my biggest pet peeves though is uh, people being late. Mm. So like you know, in the industry, you you obviously you can really relate with this. Is like the mantra: there's the early is on time, on time is late, and late is unacceptable. And that's something that I think is something that I, I try to live by for the most part. And I if I know I'm going to be looking like it's going to be, I'm going to be late. I always want to make sure that I'm letting them know at the, you know, as early as possible. So it's like, it's not like, oh, you know, I have the meeting at, at 11 o'clock or whatever. And that's like 10 59. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be late. I try to do at least, you know, a good buffer time. But my pet peeve is if somebody have a meeting at 11 and then they say at 11 five, Hey, I'm going to be late. I'm like, well, obviously at this point, <laughs> I like, know that you're not going to be late. You are late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, Come on. Like, I know life can happen and life does happen, but, uh, that is, that is a pet peeve is like, come on, just let me know what's happening. Um, and then we can go from there sort of thing. All right. We message each other at the same time. So like, I, got you. <laughs> I started on the right foot and I didn't even know. That is true. <laughs> For those, this little behind the scenes, we literally message each other on discord, the same message at the same time. <laughs> A little monkey waving at 1 p.m. <laughs> yeah. It was that was pretty funny. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, it was like simultaneous. All right, next question: What sound or noise do you love? Mm. Gotta be the lightsaber sound, obviously. Mm. Um, that's that. I don't know. There's something about that. Obviously, I'm very biased from everything that I've already talked about, but it's. Yeah, I'm going to go lights over sound. That's my final answer. Right. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? I don't want to be typical, but I'm going to say probably it's, well, middle on middle. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not super big fan of, like uh, like forks or something like that. Like the, I don't know if it's a team or something like that. But uh, And like nails on the chalkboard uh. is certainly rating. Um, there's something it's like, no, don't do that. It's, if you wanted to torture me, you just tie me up and do that. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm going insane. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one's fun. What is your favorite curse word? I, ooh. I mean, the veggie one is like shiitake mushrooms. Uh, Good old spy kids, like kudos <laughs> to them on that one. Uh, favorite cosplay? I mean, I, 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 hmm. I guess fuck. There's so many ways you can say it. Like you can be fuck or like fuck yeah, you know. Like I don't know. There's so many like variations that you can use, and it's I, it's underutilized I think sometimes. But that's I yeah. I don't curse a lot, but if I do, it's it's it's, it's fuck. Yeah, <laughs> no, not something I I think I would ever imagine answering on a on an interview, but I dig it. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Giving you that opportunity, I got you. All right, <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. So I went to school originally. 
going for aerospace engineering. And actually the first time I ever came down to LA uh, was to do the Jet Propulsion Laboratories open house. And I got to see the Mars Curiosity Rover and me being me, I, you know, was talking to everybody. I'm at this SR-71 test pilot. And what was crazy is like during that whole thing, like I ended up getting, my name is on Mars. I, I'm like one of the million signatures on this microchip on the Mars Curiosity Rover. So I got to see it right before its final uh, public appearance. And then with uh, yeah, the, the test pilot, we actually went to Edwards Air Force Base. I got to see some experimental aircraft and with the Dresden research uh, base as well. And it was just really, really exciting, really cool. And so I think for me, like, if if I could dabble, um, it would certainly be something in aerospace or I would say um, getting to be on the research uh, base on Antarctica that's uh, basically researching neutrinos. And so a little nerdy thing is neutrinos are the theorized particles that are faster than the speed of light. And light goes through a solid object, it slows down. Yet what these scientists are finding is that there is something that is, is measuring essentially at the speed of light after it's gone through sheets of ice. So what that means is prior to it entering into the ice, it was much faster. And what they believe is neutrinos are what makes up dark matter and what essentially holds the universe together. And so I would love, love to like kind of do like a Bill Nye the science guy and morph everything together and, and do that um, would be amazing. And then to go to Antarctica, I have, it's like one of the last continents I have left. I have, I have South America and Antarctica, and then I've been to everywhere in terms of continent wise. Um, so yeah, that whole full circle would be super cool. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. Phenomenal. (laughs) What profession would you not like to attempt? Um, I mean, working in sewers is probably not <laughs> the most high up on my list, right? Like, I, yeah, uh, I think that that's the one that comes off the top of my head. It's like, that's something I, I don't, uh, yeah, there's, there's certain people that maybe enjoy that. And, and obviously it is something that's essential, uh, but that's, that's not for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that one. All right. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You are loved. Mm. Like that. um, I, I think that encapsulates everything for me, right? Like the worthiness that you meant something that you mean something to the almighty, to the creator of the world, the universe, to hear that you are loved, I think would encapsulate everything I would ever have wanted or would love to hear. Beautiful. Well, Rory, we've made it to the end of the podcast. We've broken our Jesus. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just feeling more comfortable now, now that I got, you know, like the jitters out, but I don't know what's going on, but we got past an hour, man. Thank you so much for, uh, for talking with me. It was wonderful to just peek inside your, your felt like your mind, your soul, uh, is if, if there's anything you want to plug that you want to tell people you're on or working on, and you're probably going to say some crazy shit right now that we didn't even talk about that in this episode. See, I didn't even want to touch that. I didn't want to touch that. Maybe for next episode, if you come on again, maybe we'll talk about it then, you know, if get people to come back and right. be like, what? But because I wanted to get to know you, but now let the people know what yeah. you're working on, where they can see you, find you, please. The floor is yours. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you so much. It's It's just great to have such a, such a great friend to to have an honest and open conversation and the conversation that I, like we said, I don't think is, is touched often with mental health and just the journeys that people go through. Everyone has a story and no story is more important than the other. And I think that's something that is really important to, to, to know. And, and I just appreciate you allowing me the chance to be on and, and catching up talking has been, has been great, man. And uh, it's been a thrill Um, in terms of what's next for me. You know, the dream is uh, always to be a, a Jedi, um, for, you know, 
born, born to be a Jedi, so that little campaign mantra for me. But to, to be Luke Skywalker student at his Jedi Academy would be absolutely amazing. Um, and I continue to try to manifest that. And obviously at some other point, we can have that conversation of how everything came to be uh, that happened. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can see me on Kenobi, uh, which is out now. And uh, it was an amazing experience, amazing series, a book of Boba Fett. There may or may not be other things coming down the road. I can't say there, but uh, in, in that regard. But, um, you know, one can always hope, right? That, that, is, that is what I go with. And you put out into the world, into the universe, and manifest what you want. Um, in terms of the next project, Unwavering is a project I got to do. Um, and it's a really cool story. That will be coming out, uh, I think, next year. And got some big auditions that, uh, oh man, that can really, really change some things. But I, you know, put, put out some good vibes for me on that. And uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, the Rory Ross. I'll be at uh, Comic Con uh, this week, uh, so you'll see me in my Jedi outfit. And if you see me, feel free to say hello. And uh, always down to meet fellow nerds and uh, just have some great conversations. So, yeah. Thank you. That was Jedi Rory Ross. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. All right. And I don't know about y'all, but personally, I am enjoying these more and more. The more and more they happen. I'm really enjoying all these guests. Hope y'all enjoyed Rory Ross. I know I had a fun time talking with him. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to talk about these feelings. You know, about the shit that happens in our lives. Can't keep it bottled up. Even when you're off, you know, working on Obi-Wan and Boba Fett and who knows what else. You know, we gotta talk about it. We talked about it. Oh, it was good. But let's not forget that you could be seeing Roy Ross this weekend at Comic-Con. Alright, he's gonna be there what, Wednesday through Sunday in his Jedi outfit. Oh, come on. You can go check it out at theroryross.com. You can also check out his Instagram, the Rory Ross. That's T H E V R O R Y Rory R O S S Ross. Check out his work. Uh, yeah, again, you just try Google my name, see what happens. Freaking roulette, you know what I mean? Just be like, Justine Brown Cortez. Just see what you find. But yeah, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram. Go have fun with that. And oh God, don't forget, don't forget that you're enough more than enough it's incredible how enough you are all right bye